Hey there, this is Hannah McGee, and welcome to the iHeart2C podcast. Join my husband, John, and me as we talk about all the happenings in our favorite place, Canyon County. We'll be highlighting businesses, organizations, and just plain old people that make this such a great place to live. If you're tired of all the negative on the news and social media and need some inspiration, you have come to the right place. Canyon County is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. It's a great place to live, and it's where we're raising our family. We're going to take a few minutes each week to talk about the place we call home, the good folks, and the great happenings going on in Caldwell, Nampa, and beyond. So join us here at the iHeart2C podcast. Well, thank you everyone for joining us again. Happy New Year. I can't believe 2021 is already gone. Um, but we are so excited for 2022 and all that will be coming um, for here on the podcast for you listeners. And we are uh, started a series um, now for you. We're going to be talking about Canyon County agriculture and the different businesses that are making a difference in this area and the impact that these wonderful um, companies and families have made and why it's so important that we have agriculture. It's part of our roots of Idaho. So our first guest, we have Greg Alger, the owner, founder, CEO of um, Houston Vineyards. Um, you might be familiar with the chicken dinner wine. My uh, chicken dinner white is my actually my favorite. And um, we have him here today with us. And I am so glad you are here, Greg. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Great to be here today. We would love to hear more about your story and how you got um, to be in the wine industry and um, just a little bit about your history. Oh, great. Well, um, you know, the I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of the uh, few individuals here in the state that was born and raised here in the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. actually, my family uh, was got established in the Meridian area. And uh, we, uh, family was big farmers and, uh, well, in those days, there were not big farmers. There were many small family farms Mm -hmm. and uh, the Alger family was no different. We were actually uh, in Meridian in those days, they'd kind of gone through a, a, a transformation from the fruit industry, which most people don't know about Meridian Mm -hmm. areas, is Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of orchards in Meridian. Wow. And uh, they transitioned in the early early 1900s into the dairy business. And there was a creamery that was built in downtown Meridian, and uh, now is is the current city hall of Meridian. Mm. Um, I guess wow. that's growth growth for you. Yeah. And um, and today Meridian can't be defined as agriculture at all. It's it's uh, they're in the business of growing homes and asphalt, but the uh, um, we, uh, when I graduated from high school, from the Meridian high school system, I said, I was done with the farming world and, uh, went to college and said, uh, there's a lot easier things in this world to do than to, to farm mm-hmm. and uh, make money at. And, uh, so for, oh, Jiminy, so till the early, I guess it would have been the late uh, late 2000 year was in a completely different world wow. than where I am today. And in the, 
I guess it would have been around 2005, 2006, ended up selling my company, um, selling our home in, in Ada County. And uh, we bought 273 acres and I had two little boys and mm. uh, uh, four and seven, Jacob and Josh. And, and uh, I really felt like they needed to have a background in agriculture. And mm. I went back to farming wow. and um, we, uh, we plant, we're, we're kind of in the, what we call the uh, seed industry mecca here in Canyon County. Our growing conditions are unbelievable for growing seed crops and uh, very dry, very hot, uh, little to no moisture during uh, harvest time. Um, and uh, we started growing seed crops. Mm, wow. And uh, at the same time, something really unique happened here in Idaho. Uh, just about the same time we started to farm was the uh, the area was designated um, as a growing region for viniferous grapes. Mm. And uh, that's a pretty involved process. It had been in the process for years at the federal government level. There was a number of industry leaders here in Southwest Idaho that uh, really, really had focused on trying to get that pulled through the system. And uh, about the same time I started farming, the, the industry landed its, state of Idaho actually landed its first viticultural growing region or what we call in the wine industry, AVAs. Wow. And so that was kind of my transition into farming, agriculture, changing my life. My family could be raised on a farm, have good work, work ethics, um, understand what it's like to be a vertically integrated and grow, produce and sell and market agriculture products. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's, it's, it's your, your path from owning a now award-winning winery in, you know, in 2022, most people in the industry would say it's been pretty fast, mm. right? You're used to, we hear about these wineries in California and in Europe that are passed down from generation to generation and, um, multi-generational ownership and but Greg you guys have just really started over the last decade or so and have had tremendous success rapidly um, you've won lots of medals um, for the wines that you're producing talk to us a little bit about how you've been able to achieve that success in the wine industry so quickly well that's nice of you to say um, it is, uh, you know, the thing about creating um, world-class wines is, is that you have to have a, first of all, you got to start with a mission that, that your desire and intent is to grow, make uh, world-class wines. And mm -hmm. second of all, you have to have a region that <clears throat> can produce world-class vinificerous fruit. Because um, you may have it in your mission to produce that, but if you want to have locally grown fruit, um, that's, you got to be in a region that grows really and can, and can consistently, uh, produce world-class fruit. There's a lot of winemakers in the world that live in metropolitan areas or, or live in areas that can't grow grapes and they ship in grapes from other regions. Mm -hmm. But, um, really it's been, uh, our family's passion is to keep it really focused and centered on the local earth, the local terroir 
the local growing region. And so with that being said, I qualify that because that being said, you still have to come back to the fact that how do you craft world-class wines in that? Mm-hmm. And so um, you really, it starts in the vineyards, first of all, you actually have to grow the wine on the plant in the vineyard. And um, if you don't start with good quality in the vineyards, you can never get good quality in the wines. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've spent a lot of time in our vineyards, whether they're on our farm or whether we're partnering with other growers, whether we're renting ground and growing fruit on other, other sites. Uh, we really have focused our attention on the details of growing the grapes and what the grapes need to have high quality fruit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm telling you, this Canyon County, this AVA, I, sh- I can't really say Canyon County specifically because there's growers that are on the other side of the snake. Actually, this AVA goes into Oregon. Mm-hmm. Not that there's a lot of vineyards in Oregon, but the bulk of our wineries and growing region is in Canyon County. Mm-hmm. And um and so I can say to some extent, it is about Canyon County because our soils, our unique soil conditions here, um, our growing conditions really, really lend themselves to making some really world-class wines. If you focus and spend your time on those varietals that will do well in our growing region. And uh, we've really tried to work on finding what those are and really tried to work on and identifying those those grapes that do well here. Um, Cause there's a number of vinifers grapes that don't do well in our growing mm-hmm. region. Yeah. And so then once you work your tail off on the, on the growing side, then you work on the winery side and ensuring that every everything is handled um, and taken care of perfectly in the winery. Then the third and final thing is, is that you got to find an unbiased judging source to, to evaluate your wines on an international platform and not have a bias to it. Mm. So that in itself is a project to find Mm. competitions that are, um, that are large enough, world-class enough that are uh, unbiased. And, uh, and so we've, we found a couple competitions that are some of the largest in the world and I like their format and um, I like their unbiasedness. And that's where I feel like we have the opportunity to really define how well Idaho wines or Canyon County wines or Houston vineyard wines do in the world is to put them in a platform that everybody is, is, is an unbiased format. Labels don't make a difference. Pricing doesn't make a difference. It is all varietal blind tastings. Mm. So and isn't that amazing that when it is done like that, when it is a blind tasting, how well wineries like Houston Vineyards are doing in these national and international competitions? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it is fascinating to me because if you don't do them in a blind, we have also found an experience that the point systems and these large companies that do taste or testings, taste testings and point scorings are extremely biased in their approach. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, the average consumer, you know, goes to Costco and sees a, an 88 or a 90 on a bottle. And, you know, if they're, if they're trying to make a determination as to what to buy, you know, they're probably going to go with the one with the higher number. But what you're saying is there's, there's a lot more to those numbers behind the scenes than, than meets the eye. Yeah. Yeah. And the average consumer, you know, the unfortunate thing about the wine industry is consumers don't, uh, you know, we're the United States is fairly new to the wine world, right? 
And so a lot of our consumers in the United States are, are not, not overly educated when it comes to wine uh, consumption and selection of wines. Whereas the whole world has been drinking wines for thousands of years and um, they know when they look at a bottle what the bottle means to them. Um, and we do a lot of education here in our winery tasting room in helping consumers really understand when they go to a grocery store and see a thousand different SKUs on the shelf, what does the bottle, the front label tell them mm -hmm. that they can make good decisions on and, and have wine that they appreciate. And that's no different than the point system that are, that's established by some of these comp not competitions, but wine uh, um, analyzers, if you will. Um, you know, most consumers don't realize that a lot of those an analyzers are all driven by advertising dollars. So if you buy lots of advertising and you're a big company and big corporation, oftentimes your point scores are much higher. Sure. Funny how that Maybe works. not necessarily higher in fairness, but guaranteed your wines will be looked at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So Greg, your, your background, you talked about your background in agriculture as a kid, but then you, you had a successful career prior to this in business. And so you just don't go from business to making world-class wines. Tell me about, cause I, Tell us about a little, how did you educate yourself mm -hmm. so that you could create these great wines? What, what process did you go through? Well, that's a good question, you know, but it's not unlike in the business world. Um, the reality is, is that you look at your assets that you have, um, your portfolio of assets as a business and you go, where are the strengths in my assets and where do I have weaknesses? And that could be capital assets, that can be uh, employee assets, that can be uh, knowledge assets. Uh, all of those are aspects to what, what your balance sheet looks like to either an investor, to the bank, or to yourself as personal income. And when I, you know, you look at moving into any business, right? And you, you, you look at those assets and go, hmm, I'm a little weak here in this area, right? I'm a little weak here. What do I need to do to secure or beef up those assets in my business? Well, wine industry is no different. Um, you know, I looked at, I looked at uh, the business model and said, holy smokes, I don't know anything about this business model, right? right. I know I'm on my asset list, I know what capital is. I know how to manage cash. I know how to manage sales and marketing. I know, I know substantial amount about farming and growing, uh, but I'm certainly not by any means any resident expert on those those making of the wine or growing of fruit. Right. And so, you know, part of that process for me was I went back to school. Um, I went to Oregon State University's got an analogy in a viticulture program. Um, uh, and, you know, the farming, the viticultural side of it was fairly easy transition for me. The uh, knowledge side, on the other hand, was, was, was a stretch for me. First of all, part of it was because a lot of it's based on chemistry. And in college, I flip and hate it. <laughs> me too. And, uh, 
to some extent, organic chemistry was the main reason why I changed my degree from engineering to marketing. Wow. So, <laughs> just um, to get out of it, <laughs> to get the heck out right, of that, right? right? But um, you know, the reality was is that um, um, chemistry still plays a big part in our business. Uh, but what I felt was necessary for us for a few years was to hire a consultant and a mentor to work with us on making our first vintages of wines. Mm. And, um, and, and, and for four years or four, four vintages, five vintages, um, actually, uh, worked with a mentor to do that. And in a arrangement of what we call a custom crush arrangement, meaning that uh, the wines were produced in a facility that was offside of our farm. And uh, so that allowed me to go through some, some vintages, some years to see, you know, changes in, in what happens in a vineyard. What do we do differently in the winery? And granted, by no means was I a industry expert um, after the five year period of time. Um, but what's, what's, What's been awesome about this industry is it's very close knit. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very close to growers and winemakers in Washington, California, and Idaho, and um, we all we all struggle with certain things once in a while in the wineries. And I've developed a pretty good peer group that we collaborate on, you know, things that we're not able to punch through, things that we're not able to solve, and uh, so it's been. You know, I, I always tell people that uh, I never, never, I enjoyed education, but never to the point to pay for a PhD degree, right? right? But in the wine industry, I've paid for a PhD degree probably <laughs> sure. twice and yeah. probably learned as much or more. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, exactly. I, I'm certainly not an expert, but uh, um, I do, I do find it's just as in any business, right? There, you have core strengths and where you have weaknesses, you you partner with folks that can kind of help, and uh, and we've grown our business that way, and it continues to grow, and and we continue to have new problems, right? That yeah. I may or may not have the the uh, assets on my balance sheet to fix, but you put your head together and figure a way out. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I say not only you know not only have you done a great job focusing on your business on on Houston vineyards and the wines that you produce. But Greg, you also have been very involved in the community mm -hmm. and the promotion yeah. of that industry in the Sunny Slope area. Uh, you've been a, a champion on Destination Caldwell, you've on the Idaho Wine Commission. So you wear a lot of different hats in promoting all the great things that's going on. Why, why is that so important to you? Mm -hmm. Why do you why are you diving into those areas as well as running this, this successful winery? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, and, and part of it goes back to my business uh, uh, background. Um, you know, in owning companies, one of the, the key things for me and the philosophy that I had in business was to always be very connected to your community. And depending on what industry you're in, that community could be completely different. Um, but be close to your community, collaborate, and um, continually give back to the community that supports you and your business, right? And so 
I've always consistently done that through associations, partnerships, organizations that were associated with and around my business. So I've always been a huge supporter of Chamber of Commerce. Um, I've always been a huge supporter of Buy Idaho. Um, as I've moved into the agriculture world, I've been a big supporter of Idaho Preferred, which is mm -hmm. kind of the Buy Idaho concept of agriculture world. Uh, managed by the uh, Department of Ag here in Idaho. And so um, in addition to that, one of the things kind of goes back to the list of assets on your balance sheet, right? I looked at what we had as an industry here in the Canyon County, or you know, I can even say Idaho. Um, the reality was is that in 2007, there was, I believe, don't quote me on this exactly, but I would say there was 20 wineries, 20, 25 wineries in the whole state. Mm -hmm. okay. And um, those 25 wineries were, uh, there was one large winery, St. Chappelle, mm -hmm. our partner here in the market. Um, and uh, outside of that, there was a couple smaller ones. Indian Creek was one of the players at that time. Um, Koenig was just kind of starting their business at the time. Bittner's had a small little um, tractor shop he'd converted into a cool little patio. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody was kind of in that 500 to 1500 case range of making wine, which unfortunately in this business uh, financially just doesn't work. Yeah. So, and the reality is, is that as a wine drinker in the business world, there was never a conversation about Idaho wine ever, ever. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like when I started in this business, I felt like that was a huge gap that we needed to, to, to solve, right? We needed to fix that problem if we were gonna be successful selling products. And so you know, one of the things was to do is to bring the group together, the folks that were already here um, and, uh, and businesses that supported our, our industry and uh, every Friday morning for almost eight years, we met at seven o'clock at the local restaurant, mm -hmm. the Orchard House, mm -hmm. to uh, meet with the economic uh, development director at the time, Steve Fultz, and uh, the bankers, the owner of DB Supply, and a number of wineries. And we said, What are we going to do to bring some exposure of Idaho wines to not only our own area, but around the world. Mm -hmm. The Idaho Wine Commission at that time had really been focusing its time on Denver, Colorado of all places, Seattle, Washington of all mm -hmm. places. And, and, uh, and it was like, mm, you know, if we can't win the hearts of our local constituents, we're never going to win the hearts of sure. somebody in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And so we said, you know, oh, let's focus on a, a, a tourism aspect. Um, come out and see the vineyards, the, the country, the beautiful area that we have for agriculture, have a glass of wine, try the wines. Let us tell you the story of Idaho wines in the ABA. And um, so we worked for the first few years on just getting, um, you know, signage off of the local interstate to get people driving by to stop in, mm -hmm. right? Which was a major hurdle. Yeah, right? I remember you and I we worked on that. Really great support there. Yeah, mm -hmm. really great support. Um, and uh, 
you know, little, I mean, those seem like little things, but in the world of, of marketing and promoting, they're, they're monsters and it took years to make that happen. And then um, the other side of it is, is that, um, you know, once you get them to come and see us and see the area and experience the agriculture and understand what we do in other agricultural realms, we really needed to provide a platform that people would stay and enjoy the local businesses, right? And so the whole destination movement was a redesign of what Canyon County and Caldwell was all about. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I was very passionate about that, still am to this day, right? And uh, because of that, there's been some really exciting things happen to Caldwell, um, unbelievable gathering place. Mm -hmm. um, we're still working on, um, uh, places to stay for guests, mm -hmm. higher end boutique hotels, hotel opportunities um, that are located around the downtown area. But um, the focus of it's always been is to maintain our ag area as agriculture and maintain our, um, you know, commercial infrastructure for housing and restaurants and fuel and stuff in, in and around the local city community. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think sometimes we've lost our way in uh, in Canyon County zoning is to, um, hey, let's mix this. Or we've had a philosophy of just throwing in commercial projects that we can attach to agriculture. And therefore, um, uh, therefore it must be an agriculture addition. And, uh, you know, I've been pretty diligent on trying to stay focused on what those things are and what they should be, right? Yeah. 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 You really have. And I think it, I think it shows, I think people in our community recognize that you're not just here to um, make money off selling people bottles of wine, that you're really invested in, and um, take that, that community perspective. And I think that's very well respected. You know, as we, as we're here in the, the first week of the year, everybody's talking about what, what's the future is, what does next year look like? And yeah. without giving away your secrets, Greg, what's, uh, what's up? next for houston i know you've got a lot of you're always got a project that you're working on or something new that you're working on is there something you could let us in on that's a, kind of a, exciting for houston vineyards next year well um yeah I, I i hate to sound like a pessimist but uh for just a half a second i'll talk about um 2022 is a big concern for me yeah. um we, uh, we came through the, the uh, 20 COVID year, um, hit the 2021, and uh, um, we still have a ton of residual that's hanging over our heads right now. And uh, their supply chain is still unbelievably disrupted. This inflation issue, I just don't think people realize what the impact of this inflation has is going to do to the country and our in our businesses. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is, is that um, human resources right now, it, it is brutal. It is absolutely brutal. All three of those things truly impact what you do for strategically for the upcoming year, the next five years, right? Sure. Um, we've been trying to add some additional storage to our production facility for the last year and a half and can't secure the steel to make that happen. Wow. So um, there's some there's some there's some rough times here, I think, for us for a short period of time. But 
Um, one of the things, um, we still make some of our production in Washington, just because I do not have a facility large enough here to produce my wines here locally. Um, and part of my focus is to try to get all of that production level reestablished back here in, in on our farm and producing here locally. So that's a real big push for me right now. Um, and, and, and has been for the last six, eight months, um, just haven't been able to get her accomplished. Mm. Yeah. So wow. I, I'm anyway, sure we, I feel, feel like we got a little, we got a, we got another six to eight months of rockiness maybe ahead of us here. And hopefully our leaders can, uh, focus some effort and time on, on those things that are, that are critical that we need to get fixed so we can kind of punch through, punch through the next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that has to be difficult. And I know, um, not only you are feeling the, the residuals of that, but many other, um, wineries and, and, um, other businesses too. But I do love how you as a leader in the agricultural area, um, you are there to support them. And I've, like John has said, and I've seen too, just how you, you support and help others, which is so cool because when they succeed, when they succeed, you succeed and you all succeed together. And it's been neat to see the growth that has happened as far as in the wine industry and, and other wineries being inspired by you and what hard work you put into to this industry. Um, and kind of as we're closing up too, I would love for our listeners to know, how, how would you recommend the public, our listeners, um, you know, to get involved and get more, to understand more about agriculture and, and the wine industry, um, what are some things that you could you see are very effective um, for the public to get involved and understand what you guys do? Well, I think probably the very first thing is is that um, you know one of the things that that happens is is that um, one gets lumped into alcoholic beverages. Mm. And um, so then a consumer oftentimes looks at wine as either a replacement to a, a glass or a bottle of beer or as a replacement to a cocktail. Mm. And, and part of my philosophy um, has always been is that we're not in the alcohol business. We're in the agriculture business. Mm -hmm. And wine has always since the beginning of time has always been about the meal and about food. And, and I think probably the very best thing for consumers to, if, if we could educate and get consumers to understand that it, that is truly what it's about. And for them to understand that when they make a entree for dinner, right. Mm -hmm. uh, that what is, what is the varietal or what is the wine, not brand, not region, not, it is about what is the best fit or the pairing, as we call it in this industry, what is the best pairing for the meal that evening? Um, and it's not about drunkenness. It's not about alcohol. It's not about, it is about enjoying flavors mm -hmm. of the soil from beef or, or other proteins, mm -hmm. um, lamb. I mean, we have some unbelievable lamb in this region. Um, uh, fish, um, and 
how do we pair the right wines with the food? So if the consumer can truly start to understand what wine is about, it's not about replacing a, um, <clears throat> a cocktail. It's not about replacing beer. Yeah. It, is about, it is about dinner. It's about food. Experience. And if, if they could understand that, and one of the things that we've done as an industry that I think that we could always get better and we continually strive, but how do we educate the consumer when they come to our facilities mm -hmm. to have those conversations, right? Yeah. You come and try an Idaho Malbec that is, in my opinion, is one of the, one of the varietals that it, we grow better than anywhere else in the world. And so if I'm going to have this, I love the taste. I love the aromas. I love the flavor profile, but what do I do with it? What would I pair with it? When mm -hmm. I'm making dinner tonight, what, 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 what would constitute me putting a mall back into play or a Cabernet Sauvignon or a, a Chardonnay white, right? And if we can do a better job of our local constituents in, in educating them, mm -hmm. and what's great about our industry right now is, is that we're very approachable. We're very yes. touchable, yeah. right? Yeah. Somebody yeah. in Boise can be out on the, the Sunny Slope Wine Trail in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. well, let me qualify depending on the time of the day of the traffic, but <laughs> yeah. 20 to 30 minutes, they can be at their first stop in Idaho wine country mm -hmm. and, and experience three or four wineries and taste each one of them in terms of the uniqueness of the varietals that each one's offers. That to me is the number one location, mm -hmm. or that's the number one thing for consumers. And I think the second thing is, is once they get an understanding of that, I, I plead that they, the, uh, uh, that they go back to their local restaurants and demand mm, that their good. local restaurants put Idaho wines on their menu. Mm -hmm. And if they don't offer them, tell them you're not coming back. It's <laughs> yeah. good. That's Be good. Because these restaurant owners are not listening. Mm. Yeah. Wow. No, that's good. You gotta you gotta support Idaho and you gotta support your own, especially when it's good. Mm -hmm. right? right. There's not an issue anymore about whether or not the quality is yeah. is there. That's that's out the door. And so yeah. I would, I would encourage as we, as we close here, if you have not been out to Greg's facility out at Houston to go out and check it out, get yeah. educated, as Greg just said, get educated on those pairings, check out what's, what's happening out there. It's easy to get to. You just take mm -hmm. highway 55 out to chicken dinner road yeah. and you turn right there and, and there it is. And, um, Greg, you've done such a great job with it and we're, we're yes. proud to call you a friend and, we're just excited about the future of that industry and what you're doing out there. Yeah. And I know too, it, no matter who, if you're there, if you, Greg, even Mary, if you both are there and anybody asks you a question, you will get a download of great education from you guys. You guys are such great teachers and are so passionate. So um, I definitely highly recommend that our listeners do go and visit your tasting room and ask questions because you guys are eager to teach and you're eager to educate on any of the, of your wine. It's, it's such a great learning experience every time I go. So. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's yes. uh, appreciate that. We, we work awful hard with our team to whether, even if Mary and I are not on property mm -hmm. um, is to make certain that we're, we're adding that education value because yeah. it is about educating consumers. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Greg. We're so honored to have you, and uh, we just appreciate what you do for Canyon County and Caldwell, and 
um, the agriculture around there is just is better because of you and being an advocate for all that you do. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, what no, is the um, we will put in the notes, but what is the best? Can you tell us really quick um, your hours of um, of your tasting room so people can know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real simple. We're open seven days a week. We're open from noon to five. Okay. Perfect. Um, there are a couple holidays that were not open, um, but Christmas Day, Easter, Thanksgiving Day, and uh, New Year's Day, and that's it. Okay. Yeah, awesome. go out, go out, and check it out, listeners, yep. for sure. And we'll have all the information where you can find um, how to get there and um, how how you can be more involved. So, thanks, Greg. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, you Thank you, Greg. All yeah. right, take care. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the iHeart2C podcast. Do you know someone or something that we should highlight? Would you like to get the word out about your business? Send us a message at podcast at iHeart2C.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at iHeart2C. If you like the podcast and are listening on Apple, make sure to leave a review. Until next time, keep it local and keep supporting Canyon County.